Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, uh, it's, a, it's a real treat tonight. We've got um, a, a lady that's been in our, our church for 13 years. In fact, Jan and Ray, just give everyone a little, a little wave. I think anyone who's visited Faith probably, you know, even just one time would have met uh, Jan and Ray out in the foyer. They're the most amazing couple, most welcoming, always a smile on their, their face, always ready to give you a hug. And uh, it has just uh, been a great honor uh, to be able to sit down with Jan. And uh, in fact, we were invited earlier this year, I hope you, it's okay to say this, to your 60th birthday. And she started to tell a little bit of uh, her story. And I thought, you know what, the church needs to hear this. This is just a powerful story uh, and a little bit of a surprising story. It was very much a surprise. I'm not going to steal her thunder, um, but we're going to start with a video. And then I'd love it if you could welcome Jan to the stage. And so uh, why don't we turn our attention to the screens and uh, as we set up this story. Thanks. My name is Jan and this is my husband, Ray and we've been at Faith 13 years and love every part of being there. I was born on the 31st of January 1959 at the Sisterhood Home in Fitzroy. My natural mother was going to give me up for adoption and at the age of seven days, I was taken home by my adoptive parents to a little place called Gagari in the Golden Valley. You know, I, I grew up there and I can remember being a very confident, um, sort of happy child in those early years. Uh, I loved having time with uh, my uncles and aunties, my parents. I loved family gatherings and, and I just enjoyed being around people. I loved people. And, but as time went on, there were little things that happened and I actually remembered one of those this morning and that was when an auntie of mine said to my adoptive mother um, that I think Jan likes me better than you. And that, for Mum, who was a very insecure lady, uh, was a really hurtful thing. And that just added to her emotional turmoil in her own life. So I'm telling you that because as I, as I started to grow up, I came, became very sensitive to Mum's insecurities and her needs and very protective of her. And I would, we had a great relationship, so I would love having time with Mum and spending time talking with Mum and hearing of her journey of brokenness as she grew up and and I think that I really took on like this adult role with my mum of just wanting to always protect her. And I think what that did for me is is it didn't allow me to just be a little girl. And so as time went on I went to um, school and um, at school in the beginning I had friendships um, but I had a bit of a struggle there as well. And I think just some of mum's emotional issues become my emotional issues too. At about the time when I was about eight years old, I don't know why I asked my mother, but I can remember sitting in her bedroom with her and my dad and asked, um, was I adopted? Now, I don't, why you would ask your parents that, I don't know, but I did and she just said yes. And then she told me this magnificent story um, that oh, they went to the home and there were all these babies, you know, lined up and they saw me around, around the corner behind the door in a crib and they picked me. 
So I started to feel like, oh, well, I'm somebody special. And um, I used to often tell people a story, never was afraid of sort of telling people that I was adopted. Um, it, was, it was like a title that I had. But I look back now and think perhaps that was a way of me trying to make inroads into people's lives, being accepted, you know, being a bit unique. Um, but I also um, recognised a little later on that that was a significant time in having me feel like I really was second best. I was given away and I was, I was second best. I wasn't, um, I would see the, the other family members, my cousins with grandparents and that and I always felt like they were more acceptable than me. They were, spent more time with my grandparents and I started to have a perception that that was because of me rather than perhaps circumstances in life that was happening at that time and and look to share one um, to really understand this I had a father who um, worked hard driving milk tankers that was his way of having significance um, so I had a, a my parents loved me but they my I didn't have a really emotional relationship with my dad um, I had more of an re emotional relationship with my mum but that was also a bit distorted because of her emotional you know, tr problems that she faced. So I look back and go, I felt like I really lost any sense of identity or, or value of who I was at that particular time. And it did start to affect me in many ways because I, um, with girls at school, when they, they start to be a bit um, hard to get along with and, and they won't play with you, I put that down to me not being good enough. And so mum would take me to school sometimes and she'd be trying to get me out the car door and I just didn't want to get out. I just didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to face another day of, you know, kids that, um, kids that just don't want to play with you and you go to school going, who am I going to play with today? Who's going to be my friend? And I always, wanted a best friend. Um, I always wanted a sister, I always wanted a best friend. So I look back and I see that then became a problem because I perhaps tried to cling on to people too much. And um, when it didn't work out, I was, I was even more deeply hurt. So um, that went on for probably all my primary school years. Uh, I did have friends but inside of me it didn't seem to ever be enough because there was this just this huge hole inside of me and nothing could fill it so the little friendships that I might have had just didn't fill that and so I went into high school and that was just that was even worse you know I, I really struggled with who I was and I then started to struggle with schoolwork it started to affect my schoolwork in that time and because of that, um, I just wanted to leave. I didn't want to stay there. And so at 15, I decided I would go out and get a job. Pretty easy to do back then. So I, I went to work. And, uh, but really in the back of my mind was all I wanted to do. I didn't want a career. I didn't have any passion for anything like that. The only thing I think I was passionate for 
was to have um, a husband and a family. I just, I, I was burdened to have a family. Even though mum and dad loved me, um, even though I had a reasonably good relationship with them, even though on the surface we looked like a family, uh, I certainly knew there was something lacking. We didn't do a lot of family things um, and I just hungered for that. Yeah, look, on the surface, life was travelling pretty well. We had our, our four children, a family, um, and but it was just before Christmas, 1986, and often in conversations with my mum, um, she would ask me if I wanted to know my, who my natural mother was or any information, and I always said no. I was so faithful to her, I didn't want to hurt her in any way whatsoever. So um, whenever she had that conversation with me, I would say no. And then this day she asked again, and I said no again. And we were just in the car traveling along and she said, just sort of blurted out, I know you have a, a sister. And I felt like just a bomb had hit my heart. Um, I'd always wanted a sister and naturally you, you know that you probably got siblings somewhere. But I think to be told that you actually have a sister like that and it just sent me into a real spin. So we shopped that day, went home and I got home and told Ray and was wondering what I could do from that point. It was about that time that there was a lot of TV reports um, about adoption and there was people wanting information and there was uh, yeah, a lot of conversation about it. I contacted my friend and she helped me to um, get a letter together and send that off to the Department of Social Services. And I registered with them and it looked like at that particular time, um, the waiting period to get any information could be up to seven years. Also wrote a letter to the Presbyterian Church, which is where I was adopted through. And I'd found all the records had gone to Copeland Street home. So I had also written to them. So then I felt like I had this really long wait. There was just nothing I could do. It was out of my hands. It was about that time Ray had a motorbike accident and um, when he had some time off work, but uh, then he went back on um, sort of like lighter duties and uh, financially I needed to work. So I, I got a job and I really see God's hand in that because even though I didn't know the Lord personally then, I see God's leading in it all. And I think he was providing a way to me to, me, to be not just busy with family, but a little bit busy outside of that because it was consuming my mind. And so we went along for a while. And then one day I saw, we had a local paper called the Kyabram Free Press. And one day I saw this tiny little ad that said adoption support group and it just jumped out at me so I made contact with the lady from that and at that time there were four ladies meeting together sharing their experiences and their journeys about being adopted. So as I got to know them they decided to help me out on my journey and they came round to my house one day and um, decided they were going to make all these phone calls for me because we discovered there were only uh, 13 names Shellcross 
in the book. The reason why I knew the name was because after I'd found out this information from my mum of having a sister, I went to mum and dad and said, have you got any more information? And dad had always, he'd always remembered this name, Shell Cross. Um, so from that point, they'd come over, they were making calls for me. The calls were leading out of Victoria into New South Wales. You know, the day had gone on for a bit, so they decided to go home because we really hadn't got anywhere um, significant and so from that point on um, I started to feel inside something wasn't right. I started to think no we're going the wrong direction. This is it was like it's something in my spirit was just telling me no. Um, so not long after that I got my courage up myself and thought I'm going to make these calls. So there were only two more names that we hadn't made contact with in the book and I started phoning and the first one was no good and then I got the second one and this was an elderly gentleman and um, I said, you know, I was looking for a lady who'd had a baby and, and he said, well, my daughter had a baby. Well, you can imagine, I, like I was just butterflies going and I'm going, oh, this is, this is my birth date, this is, you know, and he's going, I don't remember, I don't remember, he said, I will talk to my daughter. So I gave him my phone number and he and he said he'd ring the next day. So I had, I had a function at the primary school and my friend who was also a Christian who helped me with the adoption stuff was going, they'll ring by this time, they'll ring by this time. And anyway, I got home and the phone rang and it was this lady on the phone and she started asking me questions. and. All of a sudden, I felt very convicted that I needed to tell the truth, and I said, I'm actually talking about me being that baby. Wow. Yeah, let's welcome Jan to the stage. So this is the moment. This is uh, where it all is sort of on? has come to, I suppose, how are you going to respond? How is your birth mum going to respond? But, but this is your birth mother on the phone, isn't that right? That's right. Yeah, yes. wow. Yes. So what happens next? I think we're just going to just dive straight into the rest of the story, you know? <laughs> it's very interesting sitting, watching yourself tell a story. It's kind of like watching a movie of your life. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that moment was um, amazing. And she asked if I, at that point, wanted to um, meet. and. Um, you know, into my head came about my adoptive mother and but and I was worried about that but I was um, you know like so excited to think I've made this contact so uh, we arranged then to meet this was a Friday arranged to a meet on the Tuesday um, I then went over to um, my adoptive mum's house and um, to tell them that I'd made contact with my natural mother and that was really difficult because I knew that she wasn't going to handle it well. And as we, as we spoke and shared what had happened, she was fine for a bit and then she just broke down and cried. And, um, you know, as bad as I felt in doing that, this was something that I had to do. So anyway, my mum used to take sleeping tablets so she couldn't sleep and I was a bit worried about going to meet my natural mother with red eyes because I couldn't sleep all night, so I asked for one. 
And um, so anyway, I took that that night. Well, in the middle of the night, I got up to go to the toilet and I could hardly walk. I, I, I almost had to crawl to the, to the toilet. And the next morning I got up and I was feeling really sick and had to sit on the shower base because um, I couldn't stand up properly to wash my hair. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, what am I going to be like when I get there? But um, anyway, three, three and a half hour car ride and I was able to sleep off the effects. So, so that was really, you know, thankful for that. Um, but anyway, Ray and I drove down that, um, that Tuesday morning and, you know, got two in front of the house. And, you know, funnily enough, it was on Wanda Street, um, Mulgrave here, which is very close to the church here. And, um, and, a, and a place that we'd passed a lot of times of my growing up, travelling to visit cousins in the Gippsland area. So just passing her street. Anyway, I found it really hard to um, get out of the car. So Ray came around and kind of opened the door and helped me, helped me to the front door. We got to the front door and, um, you know, my mum opened the door and we sort of took one look at each other and then just kind of fell into each other's arms and, and cried. And, um, and so then you're trying to think, well, I don't know this person. What do I do at this point? We've had our little cry. Where do we go from here? And um, so anyway, Ray being, anyone knows Ray, he's good at talking. And um, <laughs> he, he got chatting with mum and, you know, he was chatting away and I was able to just gather myself together. But then Ray decided he was going to talk and talk, and talk, and I thought, this, this day's about me. And um, so anyway, eventually we um, kind of said, Ray, here's the newspaper, you can go in the lounge room. So we exiled him. Um, so anyway, we, we went into the kitchen and mum was making lunch, and, uh, and we, she was just chatting. She was just, we were kind of looking at each other, you know, from the corner of our eye, trying to spot any differences, and and that that was good. So that that went well. And then a bit later, my my sister came around, and she was also an emotional mess, and came in with a red face because she couldn't stop crying, and and we just hugged, and um, she we just couldn't let each other go for a moment. So. Uh, yeah, so that was really good. We sat round. Um, at that moment, um, we sat down for lunch. Um, I went to eat, and Mum said, oh, would you say grace? Now, I, I must mention, like, at this point, I'd been going to church for um, a couple of years, um, just going, because that's what I'd been encouraged to do. Uh, so anyway, we said grace, and we, we had time chatting. We had photographs out. We were, my sister and I were checking out our knees because our knees and our wrinkly hands were very simpler. And, um, we, you know, there was, it was exciting actually to feel that you were like somebody. And um, so, yes, yeah, so uh, it was a lovely day. Um, my stepdad came home and Ray and I, we didn't have much money at all. It was just like there was nothing left at the end of the pay week. So I never got things like flowers. But mum's, my stepdad came home and he had these two amazing bunches of flowers. One for mum, who's sitting in the audience, um, and one for me. And I thought that was amazing until 
I found out that he works at Springvale Creme and that's where they came from. <laughs> <laughs> so, still they were very appreciated. <laughs> anyway, um, kind of like, we just had a really lovely day together. I was really connecting with my family. I felt like there were so many similarities, even though I didn't grow up together. And I had to, you know, a bit later in the afternoon, we had to leave. So uh, that was really hard. As you're just getting to know someone, um, off we went. Um, so I suppose from this point, I would like to probably start to move forward a little bit. In just saying, we, because we were so far away, three and a half hours was a lot back then, and um, we, we spent a lot of time either. We didn't even ring much. It was more a letter. It was a lot of letter writing a lot of ways of getting my emotions out, a lot of ways to trying to find the family. But we did three weeks later after that meeting, uh, go back, it was about Easter, and I got to meet my siblings. And so the whole family gathered together and the, the kids just seemed to all get along. They, they just sort of gelled and uh, it, was, it was just really lovely. Almost like, you know, my, the adoption self-help support group used to always say, oh, your story's a fairy tale. And uh, it looked like that on the surface. Uh, probably moving along about a year, and um, I'd been going to this little church in our town of Gagari, and um, there came a point uh, where I recognised that for all these years, um, you know, I was searching for something, and now I had this, this new family that I belonged to, but there was still like an emptiness. It's, I had all my kids, which I wanted a family, and it still didn't fill that place in my heart. And so there was another aspect too, when I was at church that I also recognized I wanted salvation. I, I wanted to know I was gonna be with God the day that I left this earth. So I went home and knelt beside my, my bed at home. I didn't do it at church, but I went and knelt beside my bed and I gave my life to Jesus. And, and, and kind of then I just kept going to church. And, uh, but then I started to really, um, you know, make efforts to get myself connected in. Even though it was a church of 50 people, I started to connect myself into um, like a, a connect group, what we call it, but wasn't back then. And I really sat under some older people in the church and I really desired to know God more and to grow in my faith with him. Yeah, so this is, so if I can just retrace a little bit. So this is all happening when you yourself, you're married, you married Ray when you were 17, mm -hmm. and you've started a family. In fact, you've now got four children, is that right? That's right. And so this is around about the age of 29-ish, is that right? Uh, about 20, oh, about 28, I think, oh, 29, I gave my life to the Lord, yes. Okay, so this is all happening at a, at a time in your life where you've got your own family. And, and I remember you saying in the video how much you desired family. Like that was something that was, you know, you, you left school early, you started working, but really you met Ray just, you know, in this whole idea and course of, I just, I want a family. I want to, I want to get married. I want to start a family. And, mm. and I think um, you mentioned in the video that God had brought you, you could see that even though you, 
uh, maybe viewed God in more of a religious way up until that point, but you saw that God had been moving things and orchestrating things behind the scenes, but, but God hadn't finished there, had he? He was wanting to, because you started to recognize that there was maybe, even though you had a family and, and even you'd met your birth mum, there was still some things that weren't quite right in your life, some emptiness there. Do That's you want to talk right. us a little bit about um, Look, I, I just think that um, I grew up with, you know, so many dysfunctional things happening in my life, like the, the pain I felt with relationships with others um, and then, you know, being adopted, really wondering where you fit in and uh, also that... Ray and I, when we got married, um, we were two very dysfunctional people. Uh, there was um, we went into we went into marriage fighting. Um, I don't think I truly knew what love was at that point, and probably he didn't either. And so we we got married. We were arguing. Ray drank, and he wasn't a drinker every day. But when he drank, he was—he um, could be quite a nasty drunk. So you put Ray in that position, and then you put me as a very insecure person and a very jealous person, and it just—it made for a very unhappy relationship. Not all the time, but it was all underlying. We looked all right on the surface. But this was all going on, you know, behind the scenes that um, we had this happening. So, um, yeah, so you, in some ways, to your surprise, you were still unhappy, even though you'd been reconnected with your birth mother, which we'd love to welcome Helen um, here today, which is great to have you here. <laughs> You're married, you've got your own family, four children. Um, and you're discovering that some of these things are starting to surface, um, mm. some of these insecurities and, and, and other things. And in the midst of this, you, you say that you've connected with a church community and, and you gave your life to Jesus. Yeah. And you're starting to walk a journey with God and starting to discover maybe um, the reason why you didn't feel that happiness. Um, and in the midst of that, you, you're recognizing that uh, there's not happiness in your marriage. It, so what did God start to do? What did he start to put his finger on in your life? Yeah, I think what, what started to happen was because there was this just real hunger for more of God, like I knew that there was more than just giving my life to him. I knew there was, there was something more and I was just, I was searching for that. Um, and we eventually moved away from Gagari to Kyabram and started going to our first Pentecostal church there. And uh, I was hungering for more and more of God at that place. It was there that I was baptised in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, even in that, that was just like setting my heart on fire for more of, more of him. Um, at, at that point, um, you know, we were, we, we actually still were having trouble. It was 18 months after I'd given my life to the Lord and just before we moved to Kyabram, Ray had actually a situation happened and he came to church and and there was visiting ministry and he gave his life to Jesus. So I'd, I'd really hungered for a, a husband who I could have that, um, you know, I could raise the children with who we both believed the same thing and I was so concerned about it. 
But he'd actually had a, you know, a heart for God for a long time, but never knew God personally. So at that point, he'd, he'd given his life to the Lord. Um, we'd moved to Kyabram, and but we were still dysfunctional in our, our relationship. Uh, there was some ministry that came to the church um, from America, and they were a part of Teen Challenge, and uh, they were running these turning point groups, which is a bit like the, the things that Alan Meyer does. And uh, our pastor, David Store at the church said, um, anyone interested in this, come along. And we thought, well, this is really good stuff. We're just, we, we need it. So he said, well, just come and see me in the office. So we went to the office and we said, look, we think this is a great idea to run these courses. And then he turned around and said, what about you? And we were like, what do you mean? And he said, well, what about you run these courses? You've got to see, I'm an insecure girl. He, um, you know, is still sort of struggling with the alcohol and and he's, he's saying, you run the courses. So um, I felt like I'd been thrown in the deep end. And, and one thing I want to say out of that is don't ever wait till you think you're perfect to let God use you. Because it's in you stepping out that he faithfully comes alongside you and he grows you through it. And so I would say that's been the story of my life is, is being thrown in the deep end and but just going, God, I love you and I just want to serve you and I want to be faithful to you, whatever that is. And so, he, you know, here we are. Uh, can I just backtrack? Because there was a point of time in the midst of all of that that I was so, um, I was so, I'd so had enough of the alcohol in our, in our lives that we'd been to a wedding and something had happened and I went home and I basically said to Ray, I'm done, I, it, it's enough. And I said, I won't divorce you, but we'll just live in the house together. But, and I just thought that was my lot and I thought that I'll, I'll be 90 and, and I'll just be unhappy for all of my life. But God had another plan and I'm thankful. It wasn't him just doing it for us. It was us chasing after him that allowed this to happen. And so, um, yeah, we, we, we took a course and um, I had all these people, like pastors, like, like um, no, sort of like um, leaders out at Teen Challenge that were in my group. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? But it sent me into the word. It sent me to God. It sent me into prayer to prepare myself so I knew what I was doing. And God was faithful. Moving on from there, um, God opened a door for Ray to... Um, and, and can I just say, at that point that I said to Ray had had enough, he got such a shock. He didn't want to lose his family. So he gave up the alcohol at that point. But it took me about two years to start to have trust when we went out but I also had to give him that opportunity to show me that that's what he was going to do I, I I had to learn not to be on his back all the time and God has done an amazing work in my husband's life as anyone who knows him will have seen um, so we moved to into New South Wales and uh, and so we we go up there to a church that's been a little bit broken and um, and we start taking groups. So I am not only have left all the people that I've known all my life in the area, I now am up in an area where um, I don't know people. 
and I'm taking groups as a very new Christian. So I, I was so at the feet of Jesus. I was so into his word. And it was in his word that I, got, I started to know him deeper because his word was showing me who he is. His word was showing me how faithful he was. And I just learned to really love his story that he was giving me through the word and who he was. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know you say that, that, you know, this time you were trying to make something, I suppose, of, of a marriage that had sort of hit rock bottom and there was Ray dealing with his issues, but also I remember you saying that, that you were also dealing with a lot of insecurities and a lot of things that had surfaced. So in some ways you were, you were reading into things and, and viewing things in a, in a way, but, but then I know that uh, you tell the story and, and maybe you can tell everyone tonight about God also brings you to a place of uh, bringing that relationship with your mum to a healthy place and a, and, and a, uh, a restored place. Okay, so we'd, um, we'd been corresponding and our relationship had been growing and, um, and we, had, we eventually moved from New South Wales down to Melbourne. Um, that means that it's a little bit more confronting when someone's um, a bit closer. Uh, but a lot of things were building within me because, you know, I saw mum. Mum's a very loving mother, very loving mother to her children, and I saw that, and I, I just wanted to have that myself. But that wasn't easy for her because she didn't raise me, and I knew that. I used to put everything in the right compartment and I would just, like, hold it all together because... Um, I just wanted to do the right thing and I didn't want to hurt anybody. So I just, I used to go and stay at mum's and I'd have to go into the bedroom and just cry. They were making me welcome and everything, but I was just um, crying because I was still trying to find out where I fit. So anyway, we'd moved back to Melbourne. Um, things were confronting me even more and more. And, and you know, I learned to grow up with expectations. So I had these expectations, not of mum, of others, and, um, and I continually lived in that. And expectations just set you up for a fall. When people don't meet your expectations, you are left, like, empty. And so that was getting worse, and so um, there was an opportunity made for me to go and see a counsellor, um, who's a very special lady who really helped me. And um, so I started going to the counsellor. But I, what I felt, I found in seeing her, I felt like somebody was actually hearing me. I felt like I was actually allowed to finally bring my brokenness, my hurt, my disappointments to the surface, whereas I'd always pushed them away. And so that was helpful. But then she gave me this little book and I was reading it one day and it spoke about reaping and sowing. And um, I was actually getting to the point where every time my mum rang, it was almost like the bristles on my back would go up and I thought, I just don't want to talk to you. I'm too hurt. I'm too broken. And, um, and she was feeling it too. She was, she was feeling my distance and I was pulling away. I wanted her, but I didn't want her. I wanted her, but I wanted to push her away. So... Um, Anyway, this little book 
It just, you know, when God speaks to you, it just, the words just jumped off the page. You are making yourself sick. And what had happened was I'd gone into a place of, um, I'd started with perhaps unforgiveness, but then I'd gone into a place of bitterness because I was starting to feel sick. My stomach would churn. I had no energy. I was just, you know, depressed with it. And I just didn't know what to do with it. But then God spoke to me. You need to forgive her. And you need to not start have these expectations. And then I needed to ask her to forgive me for the way I had been. Um, I really struggled with that. And I was on my knees again. Lord, you have to help me because I can't do this myself. My, my pride, all of that was getting in the way or just the, just the ability to do it. So um, one day... I'd said to the Lord, if you help me, I will, I will ask her to forgive me and I will forgive her. And so one day, the, it was a Sunday night and the phone rang and it was a mum on the phone and I could hear the Holy Spirit going, well, here, here, here we are. You have a choice here. And um, Ray and I were both sitting on the couch together and she was talking to me about something, you know, the reason why she rang me. And, um, and in my head was going well, this is it. You can let it go or you can do it. And I think God gives us choices and we can choose whether we're going to go where God wants us to go or we can walk the other way. And so in that moment, I started to share with my mum how I was hurt and the pain I felt. Um, but then I asked her to forgive me for the way I had been to her. And, and, I, and I told her that I'd forgiven her. Now, this is a supernatural, spiritual moving of God because I got up the next morning and I felt free, absolutely free, and I'm praising God for that. Um, we then met with the counsellor and she, should, that she suggested um, that we um, go away for a weekend together. So we did that. And, and we'd always had family times together, which was so overwhelming for me. They were also loving, but it was, it was a battle as well. But we went away for a weekend together and, um, you know, that really helped. At that point, um, as you'd heard, I'd had many broken relationships with girls growing up. I had an insecure mum and... I felt like all my relationships with women changed. And so not only did I come into a freedom of unforgiveness, but I was able to now trust and love women. And that just all came out of that moment of forgiveness. That's incredible. I, I just think um, this surprised me hearing your story because I think, like I said at the start, we, we meet, and for those that have uh, known Rain Jan for, for many years, um, it just could have gone a complete different way. And I just love the fact that you make this statement that you allowed God to do his work in your life. And I think there's something powerful and courageous um, in your story. And, and I just, I'm just inspired myself. Just, you know, God does give us everything and he lays it out before us, but he doesn't force us to walk any road that we're not willing to walk. And he just, and I think the fact that you guys made the choices, many choices, it almost seemed like, uh, just listening to your story tonight, that there was multiple times 
You made a choice about getting the help that you needed. You made a choice about getting into a community and listening to the words that God was wanting to speak to you. You made a choice about reaching out uh, a number of times, both to your mom and, and, and for yourself. And I just think um, such a courageous thing. And, and maybe where we could land it um, was just really out of your own experience. I mean, it's your story, but I know it's also a story that I've heard before through a God that has worked in many people's lives. And I wonder if there's people here today that have, uh, maybe they weren't adopted, but maybe they've had a, a difficult upbringing, or, or maybe they feel like they've been second best in their life. Maybe it's been something that's spoken over their life. Uh, just what encouragement that you found, just both about who God is and the grace of God towards you, but, but an encouragement to them tonight, just as we close. Um, I think something that I want to bring out is um, Psalm 139, that there was a day of revelation that God spoke to me in saying that he knitted me together in my mother's womb, that God actually had a plan and purpose for my life. I was not an accident. So for anyone who's come into this world out of different circumstances or hasn't had the family that they thought they would like or thought they, you know, desired or it just didn't turn out that way, God has a plan for your life. Your life is valuable. Um, you're not second best. You're not an afterthought. He doesn't just make something up after you come into this world. He had a plan right in the beginning for you, and you just need to take hold of him because he is faithful to bring about his purposes in your life. And the other, I think the other thing I really want to say is, um, for me, James 1 as coming to be a new Christian, um, really spoke to me that, you know, when you face trials of many kinds, and I probably can't read it all out, but when you face trials of many kinds, um, that there's a perseverance in the trial, and it is for the perfecting um, of your faith. And God gave me that very early as a Christian. So we, Ray and I have actually went through many trials, um, family trials and health trials, and emotional trials and but that scripture said whenever you face so it wasn't like why me it wasn't like it was will it happen I knew that things happened in life because God said it would and but I always went okay God how can I honor you how can I grow in this how can I change how can I get through this with your help Lord Jesus and so that scripture was almost like a, you know a solid foundation to know that God was with me in everything and he was never going to leave me the same and so I would just encourage you whenever you face trials of many kinds God is with you he wants to help you through it he wants to grow you through it he's there to bring change in us he's there to help us to have a life that he desires for us and but we just need to take hold of him as he's taken hold of us yeah come on let's put our hands together for Jan thank you so much Jan that's an amazing story can I just share oh yeah please please do can I just share my mum felt on her heart by God to write a book and um, she did write a book that's been out a few years called Up Out of Egypt. It is her story as a, a girl being pregnant at 14 and having me at 15. Um, it's also got our story in there, so it is available through Kurong and you may need to order it. Um, but if anyone was interested, it's there. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.